Thanks, guys. Oh, here we go. Good work. This is what we do here. We're grateful for team members. Thank you. So I figured if I just read that whole proverb to you, like by myself, you would be like, but maybe with five people reading it, you, you hung in there. So anyway, that's what we're doing here. And so have you ever had a life and death situation? Like for real, life and death. Like you look back on it and, and some, some of you have, yeah, you know, Patty's here and, and open heart surgery a week ago. So that's phenomenal. But there are other times in life, maybe we don't really know we had a life and death moment. I did have one once. This is in Oregon. Um, I mentioned we took a five-month honeymoon and went rock climbing and biking and backpacking and sea kayaking and didn't spend a lot of money doing it. But anyway, this is Karate Crack. It was, I think, at the time of 5'11", 5'10", whatever. But we are, I was, that's not me. I just got this off the internet. But this is the crack. It's basically pretty smooth with a little crack, and there's that little tiny indentation there. And um, there's a lot of different kinds of rock climbing. There's, there's face climbing where just imagine your living room wall, and you take a bunch of nickels and lima beans and glue it all over. And, and those, that's a route, okay? Um, then there's crack climbing where there's just really nothing except a crack and you have to put your hands in and twist them in such a way that you, and, and I'm, I'm just a lot better at face climbing than crack climbing. So I'm, I'm kind of over my head here anyway, but I'm leading it, which, which means you, you start at the bottom and as you go up, you have to, you have a whole rack full of gear and you have to put the gear in the crack, anchor it, and you clip the rope through a carabiner and you keep going. So if you're 10 feet above your last anchor and you fall, you're going to fall 20 feet. That, that right? Algebra people. So um, I'm going up this thing, and I'm just over my head, but I'm on it. I'm committed. Where are you going to go? So I keep going, and I get to, I get off the deck, I don't know, right about here, and I should put another piece of protection so that if I fall, it, it catches me, right? But I, I can't afford to take a hand out to fumble around with the gear to put it in the crack to, to, to be safe, and I see that little, that little slot there, and I'm like, oh, it's got to be like a ledge. So I keep going, and I get up there, and I put my hand on that, and it's just a super sloping, there's nothing there. Because down below, it looks like, right? And so I remember getting my hand on that, and I just find myself falling through the air, yelling, falling! And I fall, and Donna doesn't weigh as much as me, so the force of me coming down, uh, at least 20, 25 feet, um, lifts her off the ground. And the force, the, the nylon knot, it was so quick that the, the heat from the knot suddenly moving fused the nylon together. I end up upside down, I don't know, four, five, six feet from the ground. So if that one piece hadn't held, I wouldn't be here doing this. Um, I might be somewhere else. But um, anyway, so yeah, and there was a guy watching the whole thing. He was kind of enjoying the scene of some climber over his head, and he was laying down with his arms behind his back, and he just he had, he said, 25 solid, meaning 25 feet. He enjoyed it. So happy to be some entertainment. But anyway, um, you have been in a life or death situation. You have been. Um, James, where's, where's James? He, was, I, I, he, he wrote that you have been. He, he said, when you're tempted... You're lured and enticed by your own desires. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. So James, our friend, tells us that we've all been in life or death situations. Desire, sin, death. Temptation is a life or death situation. It's just a slow death, all right? So, um, 
Can you spot temptation when it's coming? Are you, are you aware and alert? Are you thinking that temptation is around the corner? Where is it going to come? What's it going to look like? Are, are you prepared? Do you have a plan? Or are you just, maybe, maybe you never get temptation. Maybe, maybe it'll never happen to you. Some people apparently think that, right? Like all the bad stuff. Oh, it won't happen to me. I can, I can go climb, rock climbing without a rope. Well, Alex Hahn will decide that's not a wise thing, right? Okay, so um, we'll, uh, we'll move on with that. So uh, are, can you beat the house with temptation? Do you see trouble coming the way? So we got Proverbs 7 here. We're not going to reread the whole thing, but the first five verses, it's very interesting. Solomon says, my son, and this is fun, the first nine chapters of Proverbs start the exact same way, my son. My son, my son. That could be his literal children or his students as he's teaching, because in the Hebrew world they did that. But my son, and he says, keep my words. But isn't it also interesting in verse 5? My words will keep you from her words. In other words, words are the battlefield. Solomon has words, and the adulterous woman has her words. Which are you going to believe? Each Choice is a path, and each path leads to an inevitable destination. All right? And, and everybody in this culture knows this, in the ancient Near East, to, to stay away from that kind of woman. So it, there's an Egyptian proverb that says this, Beware of a woman who is a stranger, one, know, one known in her town. Don't stare at her when she goes by. Don't ca- know her carnally. Such is a woman who is away from her husband. I am pretty, she tells you daily. When she has no witnesses, she is ready to ensnare you a deadly crime when it is heard. And another Mesopotamian um, proverb, don't marry a prostitute whose husbands are legion, nor a temple harlot who is dedicated to a goddess. She will not sustain you in your time of trouble. She will snigger at you. Apparently that's bad. I don't know what it means, snigger. But anyway, when you are embroiled in controversy, even if she had the run of your house, get rid of her. She has ears attuned for another's footfall. So it, it's, it's sort of common knowledge in this culture that, hey, that's a bad thing, and yet here's a person in Proverbs 7 that just full throttle, cruise control, right to that woman. What's going on? What happened? We're going to try to dissect it. So we have done something wrong in the past. It's just, right? Why? Did we do that? Have you ever done that? Like, like sometimes you're, you're, you, know, you're, you mean well and, and you're on a path of, of um, following Jesus and then something happens, it triggers us and, we're, and bam, we go sideways. And then, and then the next day or the next hour, we're like, why did I do that? I know I don't want to do that. And maybe it's a verbal response, an angry emotion or an addiction or whatever it is. We're, we're just sort of confused. Like, I don't get it. Why, why do I do that? And that, that takes some introspective thoughts some prayer and honest reflection of like okay these are my triggers these are what happens this is what happens when i'm hungry tired angry stressed whatever it is we have to be students of ourselves but really it comes down to words of inferior desires i i I think i can do this everyone else is doing it it doesn't matter no one will notice 
You know what I mean? And, and those are words like from the adulterous woman. These are messages like it doesn't matter. You can do what you want. I deserve a break. I'm stressed out. Um, I need a reward, whatever the case may be. So both Solomon and the adulterous woman have words. And we hear up to four, researchers say, we hear up to 4,000 messages a day. Commercials, ads, messages, uh, statements of truth. 4,000. Good luck sorting that out. 4,000. That's a war of words. Words have meaning. Who will you believe? What will you do? And I've said this before. Commercials are multi-million dollar sermons designed to create dissatisfaction in our souls in 30 seconds or less. Now, if I can just get to the point where I can get 30-second sermons and get millions for it, we would save so much time. No, but seriously, commercials are, are strategic to create dissatisfaction. Have a problem, buy a truck. Have a problem, take a pill. Whatever, whatever it is. And that is just how our world is wired, which makes contentment uh, a challenge. So, words are designed to create dissatisfaction in our hearts. Now, these are the two women of Proverbs. This is from chapter 9 in Proverbs. It's an interesting chapter because it, that it just highlights what I'm telling you, that it's the same thing. There's woman wisdom, and there's woman folly. So woman wisdom has built her house. The woman folly is boisterous, knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of her house. They both have a house. The woman wisdom, she calls from the top of the city, and so does woman folly from the high place of the city. All right, and we go on here. Uh, the message is the same. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. Exact same message. Well, that makes it confusing. How do I know? You need wisdom. To him who lacks understanding. To him who lacks understanding. All right? Here's what they say. Eat my food, my drink, my wine. Live, live. And the woman folly says, stolen water is sweet. Bread, eaten in secret, is pleasant. But he does not know the dead are there, and it leads to death. So life and death are the, the result of the path of these two destinations. So... We live in a world that is faced, we, we, get, we get a lot of words, words, messages, uh, true statements. Are you aware of how those messages create your desires? Because desires determine your actions, and your actions determine your character. It's all connected, all right? Um, can, can a 30-second can commercial hijack your desires? Can a random woman on the street saying some pleasant words hijack your desires? Can an image on the computer hijack your desires? We live in a culture, we are constantly under attack. We need to understand that and have a plan for a defense, okay? So words are powerful. Um, Proverbs says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. That can be good fruit or bad fruit, right? Uh, James also says this, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, set on fire by hell. And so uh, the tongue is a, it's a big deal. You probably won't have too much trouble writing down some things you've regretted saying in the past. <laughs> we've, right, we've all been there, right? And maybe like me, I've got, I've got some stuff in my head echoing from when I was in junior high school painful words that I just have to strategically go back and, and forgive and distance and understand 
okay, I, I can move beyond that. I'm not going to let that master me and move me to a place of, of, of pain and, and revenge and, and bitterness. So um, pretty, pretty severe. So at this point in chapter 7, verse 5, he has stated everything the kid needs to know. Verse 6 and on is just an illustration. There's no new content that's really earth-shaking. It's just this, this guy. Now, let me ask you about this. This is interesting. Um, verse 1 and, and on through verse 5, it says, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. Ooh, that's profiling. How do you know? Okay, look at the text. How, how would you answer this? How does Solomon know this kid lacks judgment? Look at verse 8. The answers are in verses 8 and 9. Proverbs 7. If you haven't gone there yet, it might be good to get there. Proverbs 7, verse 8. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight, as the day was fading in the dark of night. Solomon points out four reasons why this dude is stupid. He's the wrong age. He's young. Okay, now in Hebrew, the, the root word here means immature, wide open, open-minded, mentally seducible. That's just what it means. To be young in the Hebrew sense is you're, you're half-baked and, and easy to trick. All right? He's going on the wrong path. He's going down the street toward her house. And Solomon's like, I, I know. I've seen other people. I know exactly where you're going. I know exactly what's going to happen. But you don't because you're morally susceptible. He has the wrong attitude. The, the phrase walking along is in the imperfect tense. It means constantly, continually doing it. And it's more of the sense of a march. So he's like, I'm going and I don't care. I can do this because I want to. And it's nighttime, so no one's going to know. Besides, her husband's gone on a long journey. Yeah. And he has the wrong timing. Night. Solomon knows all about this. Yeah, you think you're going to be hidden from everything just because it's dark. And so I've read this next uh, this quote before. Um, I, if you remember, I preached on Proverbs 7 two years ago, but I'm not going to preach the whole thing. We're, we're going we're to get to the, the verse about the, the, the prudent see danger and take refuge. That's where we're going. But here's this quote from Shanti Feldham in a book about, about young people. And, and it's just, you know, my life bored out. You know, I told you about lowering my friend over the dorm. Just It was belt buckle and no rope or anything. And um, here's what she says. It turns out, and we say this as respectfully as possible, our teens are not only addicted, they're also brain deficient. Do I have your attention? Science demonstrates the frontal lobe of the brain, the area that allows for judgment of consequences, control of impulses, doesn't fully develop until after the teen years. I think it's about 25 is what my, I've read. So in the absence of a fully functioning frontal lobe, teenage brains rely more on the centers of emotion, which means they give in to impulses more easily. They also think they're invincible, that nothing will happen if they drive too fast on the ice or sneak out and swim at the lake at dark or drive too fast in the rain. Um, and she goes on here. We asked a group, a focus group of teenagers, what if a hidden camera followed you for a week, you and your friends? Without exception, they gasped. 
And, without, and so we said, well, why? What's the problem? Well, they, 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 you know, they talked about there's bad language, lying, smoking, cheating, experimenting with sex, breaking curfew, driving recklessly. And so you know, the researchers are trying not to be just freaking out of their mind. They're like, well, um, tell me, why, why do you do these things? And they said, because we want to and because we can. <laughs> with complete oblivious, no awareness that anything they would do today is connected to tomorrow. And that is the heart of wisdom, understanding that everything we do today is connected to tomorrow. You are who you are today because of many small decisions over many small days. Who you are today, good or bad, like it or not, is in your rearview mirror. How did I respond to that? What did I do with that? What didn't I do with that? Okay. And I know there's other forces that we don't control that, that turn our lives. I, I get that. But by and large, our responses and our initiatives um, shape who we are to, to what the Lord gives us. So uh, this is a fascinating thing. So this guy in Proverbs 7, man, he doesn't have sound judgment. His desires have been hijacked. He's not in control of those, right? So this is, this is what we're doing here. Um, one more. Yeah, the prudent seen danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. So this is interesting because you have two groups of people. You have the prudent and the simple. And, and they're on different highways, and the highways always lead to the destination. As I've said before, you can't get on I-80 eastbound and hope to go to Denver. Denver's on like I-76 anyway, but you get the point, okay? It's just, it's so, so, so the prudent, they're going to take refuge, and the simple aren't, and there's suffering and protection, mutual, respective destinations. The prudent simply means wise. Uh, the prudent understands everything's connected, what today, today leads to tomorrow. And um, don't you think it would be easier to avoid problems if you saw them coming? I mean, if you could see problems coming, that should make it easier to avoid them, right? Yeah, it should. And so here's, I, I love this proverb. Um, a little long, but I'll just read it to you. As you read this, look for the simple person and look for the prudent, wise person. Okay. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Well, there's our simple guy. And behold, it was overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles, and his stone walls broken down. And this guy who's passing by, now first off, look at me. He's passing by, which means it's a path. Everybody walks on this path. It, it, he's not bushwhacking, it's a path. And he just looks over at this field. Everybody sees the same field. Every, oh yeah, Farmer Jones, whatever, yeah. It's just a mess, the wall's broken down. But this guy, verse 32, I saw and considered it. I looked and I received instruction. That is what sets this guy apart. A little, and he summarizes his experience. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Oh, all of a sudden, I'm hungry. I don't have any money. Yeah, everybody who has stopped and looked and considered can tell you why, but this simple person has no idea that yesterday shapes his today. All right? So if you could see the trouble coming, and the, 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 the prudent person is looking and going, I know exactly where this is going to lead. If you don't take care of your crops, the foxes are going to eat them. You're going to have nothing. You're going to be hungry in six weeks. Absolutely, this is where you're headed. The simple person is like, oh, what is such a nice day. I just want to play ultimate Frisbee. Because they did that in ancient Israel. 
Anyway, so, okay, so you see where I'm going with this, right? So, um, now, this, this is, a, you need an illustration, okay? And he, here's the illustration. This is Floyd Mayweather, right? He had a professional record of 50 and 0, which means he won 50 and he lost 0. That's impressive, okay? Super impressive. And he's known for being a super good defensive boxer. He had a bladed stance, so, and his chin was down. His right hand protected his chin and his left hand. Look at it, just like that. So if you're fighting him like this, he wouldn't just stand there and do this. He would, he would turn and, and just do this. And if you hit him, first off, you can't even hit him. And he would roll a shoulder, and the glove would, would glance off, right? They're like, just like that. That's just I, uh, YouTube. I took a screenshot. But, but you can see that, that he landed 46% of his hits on his opponent. And at the height of his career, his opponents only landed 16% of their hits on him. Simply put, he avoided being hit. He entered the boxing ring understanding there's going to be a guy there that his sole purpose is to knock me out. He wants to incapacitate me, hit me so hard so many times that I fall down unconscious. That's what this other guy's going to do. So I'm going to develop this super crazy effective defense that ends him up 50 and 0. Would you like a record against temptation of 50 and 0? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. So interesting. Um, he took refuge. He's like, I know this is coming, and so he was able to do that. So fat, fantastic guy. So you can be a spiritual Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> That's like weird. But anyway, I'm just, I, I couldn't resist. So uh, the point is we can also take refuge. We can anticipate someone's going to try to knock me out. Who is it? And what about a defense? What defense works good for you may not work good for me. His defense isn't for everybody, but he found a way with, with his quickness and with what he could do. He understood exactly how to approach his boxing, and it worked for him. All right? So he was prudent. He took refuge. And the simple will stand there and, like Draco, I think, from Rocky. Anyway, I'm getting off track there, but okay, you get the point. So, um, the simple and the prudent. Now, in our culture, um, the elderly are prey for scammers. My dad lived with us for years, and he did a good job of not falling in, you know, any scams and stuff like that. But we were always, you know, he talked loud so we could hear the phone call over the house. But we were always, like, just making sure it wasn't like, oh, I'll send you, you know, $500 of gift cards and take care of whatever. And he didn't do that. But we have a friend in Wisconsin who... His grandfather, or his father, I can't remember, but um, the, the whole scam about your kids are in a Mexican jail, he, they emptied his entire life savings, multiple contacts. And, and here's how it goes. Hey, hey, Grandpa, guess who this is? Well, what do you want to say? Tony. Yes, it's Tony. And I'm in a Mexican jail, and don't tell anybody. I'm very ashamed. I just need $500. And then you send the $500. And, oh, Grandpa, well, this other thing happened. Now, now I'm in Portugal or whatever. I just, the story keeps going, and they just, they just they know exactly how to scam the simple. So I told my dad, with my son's present at the table in the high school, I said, hey, you know, this scam is going around. I said, Dad, if you ever get a call that Jesse or Micah are in a Mexican jail, I said, you are free to say, leave them there and hang up. <laughs> I wanted my sons to hear that. You know what I mean? Like, that's good to know. That's the response. But um, 
And that reminds me when one of my sons was like in sixth grade, we're putting him to bed, and, and he says, Dad, is, is jail free? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but what are you thinking? Anyway, so, um, so there's a story there. And another time, I mean, I, I have been simple, right? It's not that once you're wise, you're wise, you're forever. Uh, we're all in our study in high school, and the phone, I, I was working on my laptop. I was having trouble with something on my computer. Re, I don't know, it was a reformatting or this. It just wasn't working. And the phone rings. And it's Norton Utilities. And I'm like, well, this is great because I was just working on Norton Utilities. They, they must, you know, have their records. Oh, you're, you're having trouble. And so this guy's like, you know, well, hey, I, you know, you got problems. And, and long story short, you'll give me remote access to your computer and I'll fix it. And, and so the kids are hearing this. They're like, Dad, what are you doing? Dad, what are you doing? I'm like, it's okay. I know. But no, he's helping me. He's helping me. And so I give him remote control of my computer. And I see him moving the, the thing around. And, and something is just a little off. Just the way he's talking, and it's just off. And he's showing me all these files. That's the problem. I'm going to do this and this and this. And the kids, dad, dad. And so finally, I'm like, yeah, this guy, is, he's bogus. So I just, I just unhooked, unhooked the remote access, and he just hits the wall. What did you do? Why did you do that? I said, because I think you're scamming me. <laughs> and I just hung up. You know what I mean? So um, it's easy to be sucked into these things, isn't it? And, and, and I've got more stories like that, but, but fortunately, I, they're so close, and then I come out, and so, um, and sometimes you get bit, and then you're growing wisdom. So um, those are the things there. But seniors, seriously, if anyone calls you, hey, grandma, grandpa, guess who this is? This is your response. Yes, I know who it is. You're a scammer, and you should be ashamed of yourself. Bam. That's what you're, you're I empower you to do that, Okay. Your kids are not at a Mexican jail. The king of Zimbabwe does not need your bank account to move all his money. Medicare doesn't operate from a van in an alley, okay? So, so it, it's sometimes hard. I, I think younger, I, I count myself younger because of the age of technology, but, but we understand that, that cynicism is a necessary tactic of navigating our cultural world. You have to be somewhat cynical and hard hard surface. You can't just trust everybody. And, and sometimes, I know for my dad, he just didn't have that filter. You know, he just, well, they said. It's like, ignore him. All right. So, feel free, anyone to call anyone in the church and just run the deal by them. Hey, I heard if, if I get $700 of Olive Garden gift cards and give it to this guy that I'll get free wart removers or whatever. I don't know what it is, okay? Just check it out. So, so the simple are what I call danger deniers. Oh, it won't happen to me. Oh, that, that scam stuff you're talking about? No, no. The Norton guy, he's for real. So I, I know what I'm doing. See, it feels real. It means it, it, it's a met need. All right. So um, everything's connected to tomorrow. So a couple things between the prudent and the simple. It, one is how they see. The prudent see the danger. They identify the danger. The prudent understand, I can get hurt in this world. The prudent have been backpacking before. They've gotten blisters. They've spilled their food and, and spent all night without a sleeping bag because they forgot to count the students right. That happened to me once. You don't not give a kid a sleeping bag, so I, my wife and I tried to share. It's a mummy bag. It's not romantic. It's just you're freezing all night. Anyway, so, so how they see the simple don't see danger. They don't think anything's connected to tomorrow. And then, so... And they don't take refuge, but the prudent take refuge. Like, oh, that is coming my way. That is coming my way. And the prudent take refuge. 
All right? Here's a couple questions that you probably want to write down. These are life-changing questions. How would the person I want to become do the thing I'm about to do? You have your eyes on who do I want to become, and i got to do this thing right now, but how would that person I want to become do this? If you think that way, then your actions today are going to lead you to your desired future. The second question, I'll read the first one again in case you're writing it down. How would the person I want to become do the thing I'm about to do? And the second one is super simple. It's basically a standard definition of wisdom. What are the consequences of my actions? Thinking into the future. I feel like screaming at my boss. Yeah, I did that once. The whole time I knew it was stupid and I'm going to have to apologize, but it just felt so justified. I couldn't stop, <laughs> right? You never did that. Okay, anyway, so, um, but what are the consequences of my actions? And so if, if you can look ahead and go, yeah, that's probably not going to take me where I want to go, or regardless of that, it's just like the price tag is just way too high, back it up, okay? Back it up. So here's, here's a heads up. If you start living this way, if you start thinking in terms of wisdom and the simple and, and living today as though today's connected to tomorrow, and you start to back off some things like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that, or I, I choose to do this, but, but you start to approach life with intentionality, I guarantee you, you're going to have some friends, maybe relatives, who are on the peripheral that are going to be like, man, you're, you're kind of getting legalistic here. You're kind of like getting weird. Like, well, what's the big deal? I mean, God loves you, right? You're forgiven, so what's, you know what I mean? Yeah, because people don't always understand when you have person, this, I, I choose to live this way. I'm not telling you to live this way, okay? But this is, this is hard for people to understand. Dave Ramsey says it, it, it's a good statement. He applies it to finances, but it applies to all of life. Live today in such a way, no, live like no one else today so you can live like no one else tomorrow. He's thinking finances, but I'm thinking in terms of righteousness, and life without the hassle of falling into so much temptation. I want to live today like no one else, more purposeful, more defensive, avoiding temptation, seeking refuge, so I can live like no one else tomorrow when everyone else is all banged up and, and all, all the baggage. See what I'm saying? All right, the prudent see danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Do you see trouble coming in your finances? Do you see trouble coming in your relationships? Do you see trouble coming anywhere in life? Or is it it's just all going to work out? Um, I've got we got some relatives and, and one is is so in the moment everything's everything's fine, super relaxed, no problem, it's going to work out. And the other one, um, when he was like in junior high school, junior high school. How does insurance work? What am I going to pay for that? I don't get all this money. Just, it's like, calm down. You have time. Right? So, so there's, 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 there's a range of responses there, right? Um, you, you, you can get so consumed with seeing danger down the road that you can't enjoy a walk in the park. Or you can be so um, flexible and carefree that you don't even know what insurance is. All right. So he's going down to the corner. And so here's a, here's a good quote. You know, that's just scams. I forgot to show that to you. The romance scams, 66%. Um, prizes, sweepstakes, lotteries, business. Uh, anyway, just a bunch of scams. 
Okay, so if you want to avoid the devil, stay away from his neighborhood. That's a good quote. If you suspect that you might be vulnerable to a particular sin, take steps to avoid it. Wow, what? wait a minute here. I'm not, I'm not sure I, I get that. So if, if I might be vulnerable to a particular sin, avoid it. That's complicated. What is that? Okay, you struggle with your phone. Don't go to bed with your phone near you. You struggle with food. Don't buy as much food. You, you struggle with this. Don't do that. I mean, just kind of understanding your own triggers and sinful tendencies, right? If this is a problem, do that. Don't, you, that makes sense? Creating some distance, creating some time. So don't spend time in his neighborhood if you want to avoid him. All right. C.S. Lewis said this, It would seem the Lord finds our desires too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. So, reading a book, I told you about this book. The book is called Rest and War. The idea is fighting for your rest and your margin. Here's, here's a basic premise. What you think about, you will care about. What you care about, you will chase. Thoughts create my desires. My desires fuel my actions. My actions fuel my character. It's all connected. The prudent understand it's all connected. The simple have no idea. All right? They just wake up broke, have no idea why. So... Thinking about something, what you think about, that's where it all starts. We're going to unpack that here. If, and, and, and everyone's on a destination, so if, if the destination is determined by your path, you want to change your path. How do you change your path? You change your desires. How do you change your desires? You change what you're thinking about. What we think about is... is how do we, the media, the books, the podcasts, the music, all this stuff shapes our thoughts, which in turn shapes our desires, which shapes our path, which shapes our destination. Um, David said this, direct me in the paths of your commands, for I find delight. Turn my heart towards your statues, not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Amazing stuff. So Solomon goes on here, and um, he talks about this woman. He's like, uh, she came out to meet him, and she's crafty. She kisses him. And this is a bold woman, and, and there's nothing wrong with bold women. Ruth was bold. We just got, we had, you know, two months on that. Tamar was bold. And even Judah says to Tamar, she's more righteous than I am. The problem is if you have a bold woman without righteousness, that's a toxic mix, Okay. Nothing wrong with bold women, but this woman has no righteousness, and it's troubling. She flatters him with words, and, um, and she says the famous words here, well, my husband's gone. No one will know. We won't get caught. Pro tip, if someone says it's okay, we won't get caught, that's a clue. Probably want to throw it in reverse and do something else. All right? This guy thinks he's hit the jackpot but he doesn't know that she's hunting him because he's simple. Keep my words. My words will keep you from her. Wow. 
With persuasive words, the chapter wraps up like this. Persuasive words, she leads him astray. He started the chapter, listen to my words, but at the end of the chapter, her persuasive words led him astray. He did not listen to his words. All right? And it goes on, it says, many are the victims, numerous are her slain, like a highway. So if you fall into this trap, if you fall into... I guess, uh, allowing uh, women to captivate your desires or to let commercials shape your values, you are so mundane and normal, and there's millions of people like that. You want to be different? You want to step up? You want to step above that noise and live on purpose, live with intentionality? Then wisdom and seeking refuge of wisdom is the path before us, all right? So this, this guy here in Proverbs 7, he's got the deadly duo. He's a danger denier, and he's also got defective desires. So you put defective desires with a danger denier, like it won't happen to me, and right? Okay, so with that, let's, let's go ahead and do an autopsy on how temptation works. Going back to the book of James, all right? I didn't put the reference up there, but it's, it's James. So James chapter 1, verse 13, let no one say when he's tempted... I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he doesn't tempt anyone. Well, where does the temptation come from? Yeah, you know, you know this. It comes from our own desires, right? Our desires cook it up. So don't blame God when you have desires that you fuel and fuel and fuel. And so, so um, you know, we, we, as a culture, we watch hours, seven hours a day, screen time, hours of twisted sexual stuff and violence and revenge and themes of bitterness and all this stuff. And, and then we're, we're blown away like, I don't know why my life is just a mess. I'm just so consumed with sexual things and bitterness and violence. Hmm. Prudent. It's connected. Right? The simple or simple don't get it. So one prayer is to just say, Lord, Help me realize what's ahead and help me to respond to the danger before it hits me, all right? And here it goes. Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. There's that word desire. Desire, okay? Um, and here it is again. What you, what you think about, you will care about. What you care about, you will chase. I just, I just love that. It's a great book. One of those books I can't wait to get back and keep reading it. So our thoughts determine our path, our path determines our destination, and so desires are, um, are key to that, all right? And then um, finally here, he says, desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin brings forth death. So we have desire, sin, and death. And if you want a shortcut, and if you want to change your desire, you need to change what you think about. So here's some questions. What thoughts do you have when you're tired what activities do you do when you're angry? Where do you go for comfort when you're lonely? Those are things that we each need to understand about our own rhythms and our own habits. And we need to be skillful so that when that punch is coming, because there's a guy in your ring who has done nothing but train specifically for you, and you and you and you, and me, specifically knowing my tendencies, he is trying to knock me clean out. Do I have a plan? Do I, am I aware of that? And I keep saying this. If you can't write down on a card the top three ways that Satan is trying to take you out today, how can you claim to be in the fight? 
How can you even claim to be in the battle if you can't identify that? And it changes every day. Today's different. Today's different. Okay? I'm not trying to beat you up or make you feel bad, but, but we're in the middle of a battle. Do you want to be in a foxhole with some, some guy with all this cool military gear? And he's like, you got a manual? I don't know what, a bunch of levers and buttons. Which end? You, you know what I mean? No, I don't want that guy in my team. You see what I'm saying? So, so before we get knocked out, we want to understand our desires shape our affections. And our affections fuel our actions. All right? So, interesting stuff here, right? Here are some key questions. Oh, Timothy. Yeah, this is good. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. I just love this. Keep a close watch on, your, on yourself and what, what you're teaching, you know, what you're thinking and teaching. Watch yourself. Um, it's kind of fun to have a close friend. You can, you can just over coffee without fear of judgment, judge, uh, being judged. You're just like, you know, am I crazy, but I'm, I'm just struggling with this. And just, you know what I mean, and, 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 and processing it. How does that work? Why, why is this the way it is? It's just refreshing to have that openness um, to keep a close watch on yourself and each other. All right. So key questions. Uh, if you're new here, we always like to end each sermon with some questions because our world's moving pretty quick and everything's beeping all the time and, and we don't have time just to slow down and meditate. So uh, a couple songs, some music up here in a few minutes, but these are the questions. Are you beating the house when it comes to temptation? Yes or no? And could that be because you're, you're not intentional about your defense? You don't know your own tendencies? Have, are, are you aware of how the enemy is, is having success hitting you? Are you able to deflect and, and just avoid it? Your goal, my goal, is to not be there when the punch is swung. I want to be over here. The prudent avoid it. Are you thinking, valuing, behaving predictably like one of the millions, like the house wants you to think, value, and behave? Or are we thinking like kingdom, like God wants us to think, and getting scripture in our heads and, and kind of living on a whole different plane? How can you not be there when the punch of temptation strikes, what does that look like for you? Is there a phone involved? Is there a fridge involved? Is there a bank account involved? Well, I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? You have to look in your own life and, and be skillful and snark. And, and this isn't legalism. This is wisdom. Never confuse wisdom with legalism, right? If you set up your own rules of success, well, good for you. Now, when you start preaching them that everyone else has to follow them, that's when it gets weird, Right? So I'm not attracted, we're not all attracted to the same lures of the enemy. He changes them up, right? And some people are struggling with that. I'm like, that's weird. That holds no weight to me. And then, and then my, my besetting sin, you're like, wow, really? It's just the way it is, okay? So the prudent see danger and take refuge. The simple keep going and suffer for it. My prayer is that we would humbly... I'll just pray here. Lord, thank you for this example. Thank you for Solomon's uh, courage to just call it out. Out the window of his house, he sees an idiot who's running headlong into his own death. But he thinks life is at the end of that path down that city at night. And so many times I've been in the same place with different situations that I know people here have too. I just pray that you would awaken our hearts to help us to, to fight for righteousness, to be aware of the attacks of the enemy 
May we not be there when the temptation comes. How can we avoid it? You, you, you told, uh, you know, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Well, we don't want to. We pray that you would keep us from it. Help us to be aware of our own triggers, our own emotions and fatigue and this and that. Maybe it's success and wealth. Whatever it is, the enemy has no end toward the, the tactics and the tools he will employ to cause us to stumble even today. May you awaken us to those realities, not out of fear and weirdness, but just as a way to worship and depend on you so that we walk closer with you and we have victory because you are monitoring and governing our, our, our desires and our affections. And so we love you. Thank you for uh, filling us with your spirit, empowering us. Thank you for securing us forever. We have nothing to fear with uh, with our salvation. That's a done deal. And so we're we're in a great spot to move forward with confidence. And we pray that that would be our reality this week. Amen.